to the book of Joshua chapter 23. Joshua chapter 23 is where we're going this morning. And we have a special presentation at the end of the service this morning. Again, the title of the message is, An Old Soldier Never Dies. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you again for this day. We thank you for our veterans. We thank you for those that have lived their life in military service, those that have given the ultimate sacrifice. Father, for those that served their time, and Father, for those that have retired, they call themselves former military, but yet, Lord, we know that the military still lives in their hearts. Lord, we thank you for those that are still on active duty, for their willingness to set their life aside for the service to this country and to each of us and to us as Christians. And we praise you and we thank you that through this service today that they will be honored, you will be glorified, and each of our minds and hearts will find the wisdom of God in the text today. We love you and we thank you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Joshua, which means Jehovah is salvation. And Joshua was also called and considered to be a soldier saint. And that's where we're going to be coming at from to, uh, with this message today. Uh, is I, as many of you, but I personally have been blessed to know a lot of veterans uh, throughout the years. And many veterans may not talk about their military service, and that's okay, I understand that. But yet, each of them that has found the purpose of their time in the military, how they wanted to express the wisdom that they gained during their military careers into their personal life, and they want to bring those two things together and to press forward and press into our lives what they have learned, not only from their military service, but also just living their daily life. This is what we're going to see in chapter 23. I'm going to walk through uh, all 16 verses of this, and I'm going to bring out particular points, uh, what Joshua is bringing about uh, with this text today, because he has such a heart for God, and he has such a heart for Israel, and he is wanting to pass upon the next generations, which is plural, the next generations, he wants to pass that wisdom on. He doesn't want it to die with him. He wants to impress upon the leadership. He wants to impress upon uh, those of the nation of Israel. And he wants to know that God has used him not only in a mighty way up to this point, because this text is right before he goes to be with the Lord. So throughout his 110 years of life, he wants to know that when he leaves this life that he is leaving a legacy of God and of Christ and this is why Joshua addresses the leadership of Israel in chapter 23 and then he addresses the individuals in Israel in chapter 24 and we do have a couple verses that we're going to read from there but let's look and see and get into the biography of the man. I just want to give this to you because it's like reading a book. If you don't know the history of the writer, then you're not going to know where they come from. So that's why I want to give you just a few uh, points of the 
the biography of a Christian warrior, which is that of Joshua. Joshua was simply, he was a son. He was a son and his father's name was Nun. Uh, he, he was a man. He was a man like every other man, but yet he was called for a particular purpose by God. He was a slave. He was born into slavery in Egypt. He saw and he uh, understood the whip. He understood the taskmasters. He understood what it was like to be under rule and suppression of somebody that wanted to control you and not be a blessing to you. He was one that understood bondage. That's why in Joshua's life, throughout his entire life, and yet we'll see it in the text today at the end of his life, he understood how important it was to remember bondage so that Israel would appreciate the current and future freedom, not only of their lives, but of the forthcoming generations. He was also a soldier. When Joshua was a soldier, he was a man that was a, a, a preeminent military leader. He was somebody that led the military with honor and distinct uh, accountability of himself and of, of what it was that the will of God was. Uh, he disciplined his forces. He knew how to use those forces by using them as spies. And one of the greatest things, now listen to this, because this is the most important thing. One of the two greatest attributes of Joshua throughout his life that was leading up again to the end of his life at this point was two particular things, spiritually speaking. One, he actually prayed. He actually took the time to pray. He prayed to God. He spoke to him. He was looking for his guidance. He was looking as to God as his counselor and to get his leadership before he could be a leader of men. Joshua had to be a servant of God and to listen to him. So he also prayed, but also in his prayer, his prayer was not empty words. His prayer was also supported with his trust in God, meaning he did everything in every way that God had led him. He was also a servant. You know, before you can be an effective leader in any leadership role, it doesn't matter what that role is for men and women both, before you can be a great leader, you must be a great servant. And here Joshua knew that because Joshua had a heart for God. He saw this as Moses directed him to uh, uh, into the battle uh, in Exodus chapter 17 with Amalek and how he had great victory there, but yet with the support of Moses. He understood the responsibility of leadership, but he knew that he must first prove to himself and prove to God most of all that he could be a good servant so then he could be a good leader. He was also a spy. Joshua was... Uh, and 11 others was chosen to search out the land of Canaan found in Numbers chapter 13. So he was a man that was willing, listen to this, to be a great leader, you must be willing to do what it is you're asking those to do for you. You can't just be a good leader by saying, well, I'm telling you to do this. You just need to do it. Y'all know as well as I do, we need our leaders to prove to us that they're willing to do the same task. They may not do it as well as we do it, but they're willing to do the same task that they're asking us to do. And we see this again in, in Joshua chapter 23. He was a savior, not a savior of the world, but a savior of the people of Israel. He led the people after the death of Moses. He led the people into the promised land. He continued the work of Moses. He continued the work of God, and he was leading them into that promised land. 
He was a statesman. His leadership in organizing and settling in, this is very important for leadership, but his organizing and his settling in of Israel in the promised land was paramount, not just because they walked into the promised land, but they had organization from a man that had proved himself to God, to himself, and to the nation that he was leading. He was paramount in not only the stability of that moment, not just building that spiritual moral foundation once they walked into the to the promised land but for the years that lied ahead that he proved to them listen we all understand and know that some things don't need to change some things don't need to be altered some things don't need to take a different turn the lost world says well everything needs to change everything needs to find a new purpose or a new way it doesn't Anything in God, anything in the structure of God, anything in the leadership of God needs to stand steadfast from what God has promised. Where do you find that at? You see it in the book of Revelation when the Apostle John said, if you add to or take away from the words of this book, so shall the plagues be added unto you. So that proves that with the predominance of God's wisdom and His elect, that we don't need to find a new way to do something old. We need to keep something old new every day does that make sense and the last thing is is that he was a saint he possessed the spirit of godly wisdom every christian today under grace has the same ability that joshua did we possess the spirit of godly wisdom we have that ability we have that understanding we have that capability in us that's found in deuteronomy 34 but he also pay attention as we move forward into the text the one thing that i want to bring out with this simply is is that joshua he enjoyed the presence of god Meaning he wanted God to lead him. He wasn't a leader that always stepped out on his own, but he was a leader that stepped out on the promises of God, the promises of the direction of God in his heart and in his life. And that's found in the first and sixth chapters, just two references to the heart of Joshua in his book to where he had the love and the spirit wisdom of God and he just loved having the Lord lead his life. I'm telling you, as a Christian warrior or as just a Christian, however you want to identify yourself today, that's up to you. But I'm telling you now, every Christian should want to be and walk in the presence of God and we should find favor and we should find accountability. And most of all, listen, we need to find quietness. We need to stop telling God what we want to do and we need to start praying and say, God, how would you have me do it? In chapter 23, Joshua calls everybody. He calls Israel, but he calls the leadership together. He calls them together because he wants to prove that uh, by his life and by the love of God and the compassion that has been spread out and poured out upon him, he is wanting to give and remind the leadership of Israel the accountability before the people. Now, that's important to have that. 
and boy, I wish I had another 30 minutes to take on today's political time to, to understand this. But here, Joshua pulls the leadership in and he says, listen, I'm going to tell you and remind you what you should be doing. But at the same time, it wasn't behind closed doors. It wasn't just them being able to twist the words of Joshua and how they should lead the nation of Israel. He actually brought the people in and said, listen, this is what you need to do. You need to be held accountable before the people. And then in chapter 24, Joshua reminds the people of God, the nation of Israel. He reminds them of the past blessings of God. He reminds them about the ability to remain uh, uh, faithful in God and what that will bring in their life. But it also brought about an accountability of the people before the leadership. So I hope you got that. So let's look at the text here in Joshua chapter 23, verse 1 and verse 2. This is a passing on of the wisdom of God. Remember, an old soldier never dies. And it came to pass a long time after that the Lord had given rest unto Israel from all their enemies round about, that Joshua waxed old and was stricken in age. He's about 110 years old. And Joshua called for all Israel. Now pay attention to this. Joshua called for all Israel and for their elders and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers and said unto them, he said, I am old and stricken in age. Well, obviously they know this, but what Joshua is saying is he simply is pouring out and saying, listen, my time on this earth is coming to an end. He knew it and he was passing that wisdom on. But there's also something to understand. It wasn't just him saying, listen, I'm old and I'm about to die. He says, I need you to listen and to remember the past that you can lead in the present and have a very bountiful future. You need to remember what God has done for you and in your leadership role after I am gone that you can continue to lead the nation of Israel the the way that I am leading you now. Does that make any sense? Amen? Wave your hand. Everybody awake? That's vitally important. If you hear nothing else through through these other 14 verses, you need to understand that your legacy and your spiritual legacy that you leave behind is vital. Whether they want to listen to you today or not, whether they're going to follow your instruction tomorrow or not, it doesn't matter how they respond. It matters how you give the instruction. And Joshua understood that. Why is Joshua so, and I'll use a a legalistic term, why is Joshua so dog with this is because Joshua knows that once he is gone, his voice is silenced. His voice is silenced. They will not hear an audible understanding of him. They will not hear anything from him anymore. They know, he knows that he has a legacy. He knows that he has a life. He knows that he has a history. He has all of these things, but his heart was so sincere for the people of Israel that he is just making this final point for the final purpose for Jesus. Verse 3, he says, And you have seen all that the Lord hath done unto all these nations because of you. All of the nations that they have that they have won against, all of those that they have encountered and and found victory over, for the Lord your God is He that fought for you. Verse four: Behold, I have divided unto you by lots these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes. 
from Jordan and all the nations that I have cut off even unto the great sea westward. Here Joshua simply says this. He says, I'm reminding you of the past and the present blessings of what God is going to bring in your life. As a parent, y'all have been there. How many times, that, especially, especially when our kids grow up and become adults or young adults, how many times do we have to remind them about what it was that God did in our lives, whether they was too young to remember or not old or too old to want to remember, but how many times do we constantly reverb the blessings of God into those that we love and care about? And this is what Joshua is saying. He's reminding reminding them. He's pouring out into them. He is blessing them. He is encouraging them. He is giving them the product and ability to have a productive life in a way that brings honor and glory to God and that they will continue to trust him. That's why I love this ending of this, this soldier of this Christian warrior, Joshua. I love his heart. But the one thing, listen to this quickly. The one thing that I see out of the text, the one thing that I love of about this is is that even though he's at the end of his life he's bold and accurate he's not messing around and, and trying to tell them something they need to understand by going around three mulberry bushes and over five extra hills he comes straight on to the leadership, to the people of God, and he simply says this, God is taking care of you because God was for you, because God was with you and in you. This is why you had victory. You didn't do that on your own. God did it through you. The power you possess to have victory over all these nations and all these people, it wasn't because you was young and strong. It wasn't because you was intelligent. It wasn't because you was so wise. It was only by the power and the grace of Almighty God that you was able to find victory over your foes and that still lies in the world today. The only way that we find victory, the only way that we find the abilities to find peace and comfort at the end of every struggle is that we know that Jesus Christ got us through every circumstance. Does that make sense? And this is what Joshua is continuously pouring out. Let's look at verse 5 here. Here we're going to see how Joshua encourages for the future blessings of Israel. And he says, and the Lord your God. Now pay attention to how he says that. He puts this in, in a personal understanding. He says, as you have been reminded by me and the Lord your God, he shall expel them before you and drive them uh, from out of your sight, and you shall possess their land as the Lord your God hath what? Promised unto you. It's the power and the purpose of God that has been poured out into the blessings of the people. And Joshua is just reminding them and encouraging them that, listen, God is going to take care of you. There's battles that lies ahead. There are, there are people that's going to be difficult. There's going to be people that Satan's going to put in your path. You're going to find enemies. You're going to find people that's not going to want to listen to you. You're going to find people that all they want to do is fight against you. There is nobody in this world that is ever for you other than God. So expect controversy, expect somebody to stand up against your personal authority and realize and understand that at the end of that time, you still have victory in Jesus. Because isn't that how we get to the end anyway? 
Isn't that how we fight our battles anyway? And this is what Joshua is simply saying. And I'm telling you, and this from personal accountability and personal experience in my own life, I could have had a thousand other spiritual victories in my life if I would not have walked into those situations with a defeated mindset. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Joshua says, stop walking and facing the problems of life, expecting failure, but know that God and Jesus Christ is for you and there is an ultimate victory on the other side. Verses Verses 6 through 9. Here, Joshua continues on and he says, fight to keep your faith strong. Now, now, now this is very important. Fight to keep your faith strong. You can't expect to be... Now, I'm just bringing this down to literal understanding. I'm, I'm, I, I live in a real world, and I'm a real person that has made a lot of real-world mistakes. He simply says this in this text, these next few verses. He says this, you understand that every day there's a spiritual battle. Some days you're going to wake up and be stronger than you was on other days. Some days you're going to wake up and you're going to feel physically bad, which is going to, going to affect you spiritually. There's going to be some days you're going to wake up and you're not going to find any controversy in your life. Then there's going to be a time and a period of time in your life where you're going to wake up and it seems like it never ends. There's always something there. Joshua tells the people, the leadership and the people of Israel, he simply says this, expect to be discouraged. Expect to deal with problems. Expect to deal with people that are undealable, meaning they're not willing to open their minds and their hearts and be receptive to anything. He says that if you wake up every day expecting what Satan wants to be the unexpected, if you wake up every day with a victory mindset, he says you will never ever find defeat. You will never find failure. You will never find the the time that you will have to repent because of something you should have done, didn't do, didn't, shouldn't have done he says if you walk in the trust and the favor of God every day he says you will find those faith abilities in Jesus Christ verse 6 be ye therefore very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses he didn't say pick and choose he didn't say be righteous today by not stealing something and unrighteous by stealing something tomorrow. He didn't say just you pick and choose on the accountability of the day. He says you live in the accountability of God's word every day by you listening and doing all that is in the law of Moses, that you turn not aside therefrom to the right hand or to the left. I'll give you a basic understanding of today's times. Don't take the word of God and twist it to conform to your own personal wills. Uh, I'll give you a little quick, easier one to understand. Uh, did, did Jesus really mean that? Is that really what God says? Does God really want me to do this? Well, let me find another version besides the King James, something that's going to water the word down so then it'll conform to what I want. Does that sound familiar? Sure, it does. That you come not among the nations, these that remain among you neither make uh, mention of their names of their gods, nor cause to swear by them, neither serve them, nor bow yourselves unto them. Is What is Joshua saying? He says if you do not walk in spiritual accountability of the word of God, you're going to falter and fail, and you will follow the ways of the world. That's exactly what he's saying. But cleave. 
cleave. This word cleave in the Hebrew means this. I love this. Are you ready? It means to catch by pursuing. It means to catch by pursuing. It means that you must be pursuing God and have a desire to catch Him. Anybody that's ever run a race and you was running against somebody and you wanted them to win, but you knew that you had the physical abilities to win over them, you didn't put your full effort into the race because you wanted them to beat you to the finish line. That's not the way it works with spiritual wisdom and accountability in God's Word. You just don't stand back and hope that you're going to be willing to listen. Here, Moses, or, or, or Joshua says, he says, you need to cleave. You need to catch by pursuit. You need to hold on and want the Word of God to be leading your life. But he says, cleave unto the Lord your God. This is the personal relationship. Having the personal relationship of God and of Christ. He says, and you have done un, or that as you have done unto this day. So what is he saying? He says, you have proven to yourself that you you can do it. He just says, keep doing what you're already doing. Amen. Keep doing what you're already doing. He says, you've already proven to yourself. Isn't that what we strive for? Isn't that what we fight against in the flesh? Is that we have to prove to ourselves that we're accountable before God? Do we have to prove to ourselves that we love God? Do we have to prove to ourselves that we know that God is going to get us through every circumstance? Do we believe that God's going to keep us healthy? Do we believe that if God chooses that we die in the flesh, that the Spirit goes to be with Christ? Do we not have faith in Him? Has God not proven to you? you through a lifetime of salvation however long you've been saved has God always proven to us that he's going to take care of us he's never going to leave us nor forsake us he's never going to put turn his back to us he's always going to be with us he's always going to be an ever-present help in the face of danger he doesn't wait till the situation is over he has prepared the mind the heart and the life before the circumstance and after the circumstance is over we reflect back with grace and with praise and worship instead of the accountability of repentance first. But cleave unto the Lord your God. For the Lord hath driven out from before you, verse 9. For the Lord has proven to you and He has driven out before you great nations and strong. Ones that were greater and stronger than you. The ones that had a greater power. The ones that had a greater might of the sword. The ones that had more money. The ones that had more ability to overwhelm you and to destroy you. And you survived because of God's grace. But as for you, no man hath been able to stand before you even until this day. He says, do you not see victory? Now I want to ask you this question very quickly this morning. I don't care where your mind's at. If you're thinking about yesterday or worried about tomorrow, set that aside for the next 30 seconds. How much do you truly trust God today? How much of the accountability of your life is in the presence and in the power and the sustainability of God's grace? How much trust do you have in Him? How much ability do you allow God to have in your life? Will you trust Him? Do you believe in Him? Everything you're going through right now, and I don't know what all you're going through, and that doesn't matter. only thing I can give it is an opinion and advice, but there's only one God that has all the answers, and He's the one you need to trust. He's the one that we need to be going to in the beginning and the onset of problems, not post-problems after we've already messed everything up. Josh 
Joshua says you need to seek him because he has proven that he will seek you out. Verse 10. One man of you shall chase or to put to flight a thousand. Notice the power and the strength of one Christian. I'm going to have to go through some of these kind of quickly, but pay attention to this. Notice what Joshua says. He says, one man of you, one of you shall put to flight a thousand men. You have the ability and the power through God to be able to overcome one trying to be suppressed by a thousand. He says one person has that ability. Let me... It's good for us as husbands and wives to want to lean on one another. And that is one of the things that we are supposed to do. But brothers and sisters, the reality of life is is that there's days you're going to be spiritually struggling and so is your mate. There's going to be days that you're going to be hurting inside and it's a silent, bleeding pain that you've never uttered a word to anybody else. There's something deep inside of you that you're hurting over. And you want to speak to your husband or to your wife. You want to listen to a human voice. And you want that voice to console your grieving heart. And your hurting heart over any circumstance in life. And there's nothing wrong with that. We are. The Word of God says that we are two, but yet we become one. I accept that. But in the day and in the ultimate end, I can ask Tracy for her advice. I can ask Tracy for her opinion. But there are times when all I need to be doing is seeking the face and the wills of God and then telling her what God has spoken to me. That's nothing against my wife, but there are times when we just need to simply take things to God and let God have the power and the preservation of circumstance and of faith and let Him get us through every circumstance. Because He it is that fighteth for you as He that has promised you. He's promised you victory. He's promised you the abilities to understand. But I do understand and know that there are times that we just have to go through these difficult circumstances before we're going to be able to learn. Verse 11. Personal dedication of a single soldier as Joshua accounts. He says, Take good heed, therefore, unto yourselves, that you love the Lord your God. Your accountability, your love, your preservation, your trust does not come because of your faith and your spouse's faith in God. It's your faith. What if your husband or your wife would die today? The Lord would call them home. So many times when we lose somebody, when we lose, as a wife loses a husband and a husband loses a wife, then we feel like life is over. We feel like we're now incomplete. And we're not able to complete. Let me tell you what. God gives us wonderful, Christian, strong, persevering mates. But whether they're here or whether they're absent, God is still the source of all our strength. Don't you ever feel defeated because somebody has left your life. Because they are not your life. Jesus is all your life. Verse 12. 
What will happen if you fail from your personal faith? Joshua covers. He says, Elsie says, if you do in any wise, go back. He said, in any way, if you go backwards and cleave unto the remnant of these nations that they have already overcome, even these that remain among you and shall make marriage with them and go in unto them and they to you, meaning you allow that person to come into your life. He says, no, for a certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations before you, but they shall be snares and traps unto you, and they shall scourge or they shall whip in your sides, meaning take you to the whip or take the whip to you, and thorns in your eyes until you perish from all this good land which the Lord your God hath given you. Verse 14. And behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth. And you know in all your hearts and in all your souls, that's the accountability of knowing, that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. He's fulfilled everything. That's simply what he's saying. He says, you can see the promises of God in the nation of Israel. You can see it in your personal life. There is not one promise that God has ever made to you that God has never brought it forth in the fruition of who he is. Do you believe that today? Do you believe and know that that is some of the times that we fail the quickest? Is because we say, well, God, you said this and you didn't do this. Or better yet, you want to know what? That, thing, that, that comment, that statement I just made is actually not really accurate because there's so many times that we'll pray and we'll ask God for things and then He doesn't give it to us so then we hold Him accountable as a failure because He doesn't love us. Well, he didn't let me have this home. He didn't let me have this car. He didn't let me have this job. He didn't let me have this. He didn't let me have that. All these things didn't come to be. He said he loved me. He said he trusted me. He said he would never leave me nor forsake me. All these things. He says, he just, he's a God that just tells you what he wants you to hear. And this is what Satan puts in the minds and hearts of the Christians. He tells you what you want to hear, but in the end, he doesn't come and bring it forth. That's what Satan does. That's what Satan does. That's what Satan brings about. But here Joshua brings the accountability of the people. And he says that as a soldier of Jesus Christ, as a soldier saying, it is my responsibility until my dying day to tell you the truth about the accountability of life and what God holds you and how God holds you accountable. And he says in verse 14, And you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord God uh, spake concerning you. All are come to pass unto you, and not one thing hath failed thereof. Therefore it shall come to pass that as all good things are coming to you, which the Lord your God promised you, so shall the Lord bring upon you all evil things until he have destroyed you from off this good land, which the Lord your God hath given you. I'll explain this and summarize in just a second. Finally, in verse 16 here, he says, when you have transgressed, the word transgressed means that when you, pay attention to the wording, Joshua says that when you have turned 
away from the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and have gone and served other gods and bowed yourselves to them, then shall the anger of the Lord be kindled against you, and you shall perish how quickly from off the good land which he hath given unto you. Now let me just give you this, one last point of Joshua. And then there's a great spiritual blessing that I'm going to bring to you in chapter 24. Brothers and sisters, be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure your sin will find you out. And so many times we allow ourselves, as Joshua has warned here in verse 12, throughout the entire chapter, but in verse 12, he says, when you turn your back on God and you start walking the ways of the world, when you start walking in the accountability of your own mind and your own heart, when you start walking in the ways that God saved you from through Jesus Christ, you understand that when you stick your hand in the briar patch, you're going to get pricked and blood's going to come out and you can cry and you can ask God to stop the pain you can ask God to stop the bleeding but there are choices there are decisions there are capabilities there are inabilities there are just things in our life that we walk into knowing that we're making a bad decision it doesn't matter what the circumstance is when you walk into it without the faith and belief of God you've turned your back on him you've not sought out his counsel and his wisdom you have not put your paths in the ways of God. And then when everything falls apart, how dare we, we, myself included, how dare we look to God and say, God, get me out of this mess that I have created. God, take this pain out of my heart that I have brought into my life. God, help me. How dare we even ask God for that? And it's not repentance that I'm speaking about. I'm not telling you you can't repent and seek God's forgiveness and wisdom. That's not what I said. I said that when we make the mistakes and we make the choices and the burdens of life begin to become such a burden and a pressure to our hearts that we don't know how to deal with it anymore, even at that point, most of us will admit, even then we're not even 1 John 1, 9, where we confess our sins and He will forgive us of all of our sins. We're not even doing that. All we're saying is, God, take away the guilt pressure of the conviction of pain you're not saying, Lord God, heal my heart that I may become better before you. And then we wonder why so many times we feel so alone. We wonder why so many times when we think that God is not actually answering us. And the Word of God teaches us that when we pray, many answers go unanswered, many prayers go unanswered simply because we ask them amiss or we ask prayers wrongfully. Now I'm going to close with this. In Joshua chapter 24. Now therefore, in verse 14, Joshua 24, 14. Now therefore, fear the Lord, respect Him and love Him with all sincerity and with all truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. Finally, in verse 15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord. 
Choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you yet dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The one thing I want to explain to you about that text is simply this. So many times when we don't study and understand the heart and get into the biography of the writer, you read that text and you say, well, wait a minute. He was telling them to abandon their faith. So Joshua was a hypocrite because he said in verse 12, don't turn your hearts against God. You stay with God. But if you stay with God or if you don't stay with God, these are the things that's going to happen. He's not encouraging Israel to walk from their faith. He's actually dangling the truth in front of their own eyes and saying, because you see your life the way that you see it, the way that you should understand it in God, he says, you need to stop reaching to the false gods that will never deliver anything but sin and conviction, and you need to hold on to the truths of God. I've heard people mention that text so many times and they say, he's contradicting. No, he's not. He's doing the exact same thing as a soldier saint, as a child of God, as a father, as an old man that knows that his days is numbered by minutes and hours and he is reaching out to the next generations that are standing before him and he simply says this, if you choose to serve God, then you know where you lie in God. He says, but when you choose the false gods of the nations, he says, understand that when the gavel of God comes down upon your mind and your heart. Don't you dare blame him and don't you dare say you're serving him. He says you need to understand that Jehovah God deserves respect and love. Who do you serve today? Who do you serve? And how often do you serve that person? Whether it be Jehovah God or whether it be yourself. How often do you serve him? Do you truly trust Him and love Him? Are you living your life in the accountabilities of grace and in the love and the honor of God? Or are you wishy-washy? Do you serve Him on Sunday morning when you're driving to the church house? And do you forsake Him when you're driving back to your own house? Is God at the forefront of your life? Is He everything to you? Because everything that you have come from Him. The car you're sitting in, the clothes that you're wearing, the money in your bank accounts, the health in your body, everything that you have, He gave to you. You didn't do it on your own. You wasn't good enough. You wasn't strong enough. You wasn't wise enough. You say, well, I'm the one that had the intelligence. I went to college. I had this great job. I did. Let me tell you what. You need to take I out of the way and you better be replacing it with God because whatever you do or don't have, He gave to you. So you trust in Him. And let me just give you this last word of encouragement as I close. When you feel that you can't, trust me, brothers and sisters, in Jesus Christ, that is when you will excel the most for Him. When you feel like you can't do one gracious thing, when you feel like you cannot do one righteous thing, at that moment when Satan calls out and screams defeat, We need to find victory in Jesus Christ knowing that He has paid for that ability on the cross. And that's not just for pastors, that's for all of us. Do you trust in Him today? 
Do you need Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Do you need to repent of your sins and invite Him into your heart and to your life and be your personal Lord and Savior? Do you need to do that today? Just in the quietness of your hearts where you're at. Just bow your head and close your eyes and just ask the Lord Jesus. Call upon His name and ask Him to forgive you of all of the sins that He's already paid for. Taking the guilt and the conviction away. Replacing it with grace and blessed assurance. And asking the Lord Jesus to come into your life today to be the author and the finisher of your faith from this day till you see him face to face. Will you hold on to that today? What do you need? Making that decision in the next few moments. This may be your first, it may be your last. These are the moments of Joshua in your life. And this is what we are crying out today. Who do you trust? Who do you need to obey? Who do you give your life to today? Father, we love you and we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this service today. We thank you for giving us the ability to gather here today for all of those. What a wonderful crowd that it is here today. Father, I pray that they have heard from this, this Christian warrior, this old soldier that never dies. Thousands of years later, we're still hearing the eternal words of Joshua. Help us to live in your grace. Help us to live in your understanding. We will always be careful to love you and to thank you. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I do have one final thing that we want to do this morning. We have two high school graduates that we want to honor today. And if those two young ladies will work their way up here. There they come. Corona may keep them out of the school that they graduated from, but we're going to honor them at the Lord's house today. Amen. Miss Kylie, how are you? Good. Come on up here. What an honor and a privilege it is. Do y'all remember? I know for some of us it's been a long time. Do you remember this day? Come on. You're awake now. Okay. It is a blessing to be here. And I know your minds are in a thousand places and you have a lot of things going on, both of you. Uh, University of Vermont that you're going to, uh, you're still working on trying to figure out where it is you're going to go. That's okay. The Lord will give it to you. It is a blessing to be at this stage in your life. And we're glad to be here to be a blessing to you. And But we don't want to just be a past blessing we want to be a future blessing for you. So what we have done is we have bought Bibles for both of you. Now, these are heavy, okay? These aren't just the little thin Bibles. Uh, the reason that I did this was because I wanted to give you all a study Bible. Something, see how thick that is? That's almost as thick as what you're going to be studying here soon. This is a, this is a study Bible. And what it does is it has a lot of information that will help you to understand what the verses are. There's a lot of maps. There's a lot of time uh, charts on there that explains the history of man. And it's also, uh, you have the thumb tabs so you can find the scripture references more quickly. And it has a lot of different information in the front and in the back. Uh, so we wanted to give this to you. Uh, there's some information there for you all to look at. Uh, we just want you to take this and not to just put it on a shelf, but to use it. And as you grow 
in your life and as you seek what it is that the Lord would have you to do, use this as your guide. Don't never just let it get dusty. Keep it somewhere where you can read it each and every day. And we know that it will be a blessing to you. So I want to go ahead and give you that. Thank you. You're welcome. And one of the other things that we did, uh, actually, we're going to open this up. So that way they can see. One of the other ways that we wanted to give you an encouragement of remembrance of our love and support for you in your life was these throws that actually has your name and the high school that you graduated from, which is Martinsburg and Hedgesville. Ain't that, ain't that shameful. And I just wanted to show this. Shelby, hold that other side. Colleen, you hold the middle. And these are just some throws that when you all are sitting around and it's a cool winter's night and you throw this on you to remember, it just says, I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in righteousness. Proverbs 4.11, class of 2020. Colleen Young at Marsburg High School. And Mrs. Miss Repine from Hedgesville High School. So we hope that these are a blessing to you. And again, a reminder of how much that we appreciate you. And when you go to school, we're not going to forget about you. We're going to remember you always, and you'll always be in our prayers. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you again for the blessings and the hope of God. We thank you for these two young lives. That, Lord, as they begin a new chapter, as high school is over with, their continued education lies ahead of them. Father, we thank you for the higher education. But, Father, Lord, we're praying that the Proverbs 3, 5, and 6... Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Father, we plead that over these two young ladies today. We pray that they would have a wonderful life, a healthy life, a life most of all that brings honor and glory to you. And we'll just be careful to praise you and to thank you for them today and until the day that we see you face to face. We love you and it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. And the last thing that I have for you is that we're here for you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank God you. bless you. Thank you.